curtains and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 79. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Mr. Brennan. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Yeah. I am really looking forward to this installment of Listener Stories. Oh, you can't go wrong with Listener Stories. No, there is so much great stuff out there. Yep. We're still back in October for submitted... <laughs> oh, sorry. We've made it to November for submitted oh, stories. Oh, yay. Almost breaking the year. Yes. But before we get there, I wanted to uh, mention that I have actually experienced something far more frightening than anything we are about to uh, to describe today. Yes. It's something that, that will, I think, chill you to the very core audience. Because <laughs> I've already experienced it. Yeah, and it, it's a fact that I, I'm back to work yes. pretty regularly Yeah, doing this. Uh, it's like a delivery service. I won't say which one. For food. Yeah, it's a food yes. delivery service. Yes. I, get a, I have an app. I'm yeah. sent to a restaurant, pick up food, take it to someone's house. Yeah. What is most chilling is the absolute bullshit people are willing to buy and have delivered to them for my really too much money. Well, you know, Victoria, there was a man who had spent the equivalent of a year's rent on one of these food delivery services. After having brought someone a pint of mixed ice cream at 1030 at night for, I was paid $6. Yeah. So I don't know what they were, uh, what they paid for yeah. it, but I'm going to assume more than that. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it. Today, 99 cent McDonald's pastry. No. End result cost the customer $10. You got to be kidding me. Nope. And you did this. Yeah. Holy hey, shit. It, I'm not ordering it. No, I understand. And yeah. we also did a Tim Hortons coffee. One coffee. Turned out wow. to be the equivalent of $10 as Incredible. well. Incredible. I know. I did a bubble tea today. I thought that was a trump card. I thought I was going to say, well, sir, I delivered no. some poor hapless schmuck a bubble tea. No, 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 no. Have you had the naked people yet? No, no. I, I, everyone has been very... Uh, clothed. I, very clothed. <laughs> and, and I love it. The interactions are so fast. As a little bit of an antisocial person in, in sort of in real life, I, I do love that literally I walk up to their door. Hello, are you this person? Here you are. Have a wonderful day. And that's it. And the end. If they don't want to talk, I, I don't agree. want to talk. I agree. Oh, it's magnificent. No, it is. It's amazing. You don't have to haggle about money or tips or nope. it's all done for you. I will say though, sometimes what happens is because I am a very wide man, I, I don't talk about it on the show, but I lift a lot of weight. So I'm a pretty thick set fellow. Um, I do have scared a few people. Oh. Because they'll open the door and kind of go, whoa, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I've learned not to stand too close. <laughs> so I've got the tattoos down my arms. Yeah. And, and tattoos are a pretty common thing now. But Yeah. You could but, smile maybe. Yeah, I'm not good at that. Uh, I, I don't have a fast smile. No. I'm, I'm a very friendly person. I'm mostly harmless unless I'm really mad. Yeah. But I don't have a quick smile. So I come. I have resting jerk face. Right. Yeah. So they're a little bit scared of you. A little bit scared of me. I get it. So if you hear my voice at your door and you open it and you think, oh, Jesus Christ, that fire hydrant looks really mad. (laughs) Don't worry. It's just just Brennan delivering a burger. Yep. And he doesn't want to talk to you either, so it's (laughs) all good. (laughs) All right. So before we get to the stories, we have a musical guest on this episode. We are very pleased to present the music of Galactic Cinema. Cool. Yes. Brothers Jeffrey and Alex. And uh, they contacted us a little while ago. And we just really, really dug their music. I took their album Haunted, which you can get on Bandcamp at galacticcinema.bandcamp.com for a drive on a really uh, misty night. And it was a great soundtrack for that. It's very excellent, synthy, as you'll hear. The track we're going to be playing tonight is an instrumental track. It's called Passing. It finishes the album. However, the rest of the tracks are vocal. And I believe it's Alex who's a vocalist. Listeners, give it a, uh, give it a listen because... His voice sounds uncannily similar to a very popular 80s artist. Yeah. I won't say which, and I'll tell you why. Because if you go to galacticcinema.bandcamp.com, they're also on all the major streaming platforms, you go there, listen to their tracks, listen to the album, and if you can guess which 80s artist I'm referring to, which which vocal double. Yeah. Alex has. Yeah. And email us at ghostoryguys at gmail.com with the subject line Galactic Cinema. You will get a free download of the album. 
Galactic Cinema's given us, I believe, four. Yeah, we should qualify. Not everyone who does this will get <laughs> yeah, yeah. a the, free copy of the album. The first four people. The first four people to correctly guess the name of the vocalist we're talking about will get a Bandcamp download code for Galactic Cinema's album Haunted, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. If you like synth, you'll dig it. And of course, you'll be able to hear it coming up right after this. Welcome back. As I said before the break, on this episode, we are sharing our 18th volume of listener stories. 18th since we started the show. Nuts. It is freaking nuts. I love it. I love hearing from you guys. And what we've actually started to do is instead of just having listener story episodes going forward, which we will also have because we have so many stories, you guys are so, so great at sending them to us. We're also sorting some of these stories into individual episode topics. Mm -hmm. So if you send us a story, you don't hear it for a while. It may be that, for example, your shadow person story has been sorted into a shadow person episode. Yeah. And we try to do one of those every year. So, and I I think probably in the coming few coming months, we're likely to see this year's shadow person episode. Nice. So that, that is, yeah, that is one of the things on the horizon here as we're just get so many great stories in. We want to make sure we share them all and, uh, yeah. Just parcel them out and make sure that make sure that each of them get sort of the the attention that they're due. Well, and that's the cool part about the show getting bigger is we are able to get more stories in and and theme them up, right? Because there are Absolutely. more in, so it's pretty incredible. You know, not to not to belabor this, but the show really is uh, bigger than it was. You know, we're still a tiny show in the grand scheme of things. I won't be able to challenge Mark Maron to an arm wrestle for a long time. <laughs> But um, it's we're about triple what we were at this point last year. That's crazy. Yeah. And so it's just so, so cool. And uh, it's very exciting. I think the coolest part for us is the show keeps growing, but we're still sitting in the same little cabin we started in. <laughs> that's right. Nothing's changed here. Well, the equipment's better. Oh, and, no, that's true. The equipment's yeah. better. I, I do have one little tiny story. Not not story, but like a ghostly situation to, to discuss before do we tell. start the stories. So... In our apartment building where Nick and I live, we live on the ground floor and we've had living above us an elderly lady probably for several years now. Well, I just found out that she had to, she had to move. Right. Uh, she's become quite infirm. And so she's, she's moving into an assisted living facility uh, closer to her family. They found someone else to move in, but it's going to take probably, uh, what do they say? About a month and a half before these people can actually settle. So right. until April 1st, they're not going to be in there. It's going to be empty. Right. Now, what this means, because to a normal person who's not psychotic, they would just say, oh, well, you know, it's an empty apartment above us. No big deal. I'm going to go about my life. However, because I'm a maniac, now I'm lying in bed and every noise I hear up from up there, I am certain <laughs> is Satan coming for me. What did I tell you, Brennan? You, you tell me a lot of stuff. I told Some of it you I can't repeat here. Steel beams in the building conduct sound in odd ways right and that's what you need to remember right when you hear things from up above they're not really from up above they're from actually the other end of the building of course and the steel beam is conducting that right can you remember that little buddy i'm sure gonna try champ all right we'll turn on the nightlight and just go to sleep thanks superman <laughs> jesus so watch the space <laughs> all right on with the stories Our first story is from Catherine. I'm a new listener and up to episode 23, I believe. Oh, God bless you for sticking it out. Binging at work. I love listening to the episode on Los Angeles area so far. I lived there from March 20th, 2002 to August 6th, 2003. Why so short? Because I was a Mormon missionary and I went home to a semi-normal life after I was done. While there, I had some interesting interactions with the paranormal. I'll share two. There was the one-story house in Silmar where whenever we prayed in that house or taught the family, there was the sound of people running back and forth across the roof and things being thrown against walls. 
It would never happen when we were just there for a social visit. I had a companion from Mexico, and she told me she could pick up on things. I didn't believe this until she told me that a girl we'd just spoken with had had an abortion six months ago, and that information was only spoken out loud to either one of us a few weeks later. It wasn't our typical routine to knock on doors at night, but when I was in San Fernando, we did one night during the winter. After a few contacts, my companion stopped dead in her tracks and said we needed to go straight back to the car. I followed without questioning, and she told me once inside to look at the moon and tell her when it changed. At the corner where we turned left, a distinctive ring around the moon vanished suddenly. I told her so, and she said we were now beyond the reach of the witchcraft that someone had been practicing on that block. As if going back and forth knocking on doors wasn't dangerous enough. Yeah, for two young ladies. For two young ladies, yeah, add yeah. in witchcraft. Yeah. Now, I, I have my opinions, obviously, on on these kinds of things. Do you? I know, it's hard to believe. Hard I'm, to believe you I, have an opinion on anything. I play my cards really close to my chest. <laughs> my sculpted, gorgeous chest. Oh, Anyways, God. moving on. But I do respect the tenacity to just go to a total stranger's door and try and start that conversation. Oh, yeah. Like, it... it I again going up to people's houses and bringing them food is enough of a where stress there's no for me. interaction expected. That's it. That that stresses me out enough. Yeah. But to then go and have to proselytize to him and, and yeah. say, you know, hey, I, I got this guy named J Dubs and and he wants to be your friend. Yeah. I, like really, I, I'm I'm being facetious, but no, I, I, that's crazy. I no, could, I a, couldn't do that. No, it'd be brutal. It, no, I, it would be brutal. It takes a special kind of brave, I think. Yeah. So hats off to you, Catherine. Now the ring around the moon thing. I've never heard that to mean someone's practicing witchcraft. No, that's a new one on me, but I will say I know sweet piss all about witchcraft. Right. Uh, and I've learned a little bit from talking to our listener, Michael. Right. Uh, he's the one who he read my tarot. Right. And, you know, he's he'll, he explains some stuff to me, but I think he recognizes that, you know, my brain can only hold so much. <laughs> uh, so, Michael, I'd be very curious if you, once you hear this to uh, let us know your thoughts on this. Yeah, this the is, ring around the moon. I would yeah. love to hear that. Um, yeah, I've done some tarot uh, readings, and it's pretty interesting what can come out i wouldn't want to do yours i think that would scare me i think the less insight you have in what's happening in my brain probably the better which honestly i'd be goes... turning cards over going weird it's another burger king symbol i don't <laughs> understand it's just breasts and hamburgers <laughs> oh my it's gonna God. be the title of my autobiography by the breasts way breasts and hamburgers pre-order now <laughs> thanks again for the story Catherine. this story comes from june I'm a big fan of your podcast, so I thought I would share a few stories of my own. All of these stories involve my two little boys, Jacob, who's six and a half now, and Landon, who's four. Story one. When Jacob was about four, I took him to the park. When we got back to the house, I took him to the powder room to wash his hands. As he was washing his hands and looking into the mirror, he said to me, Look, Mommy, there are two mommies and three Jacobs. I understood he said two mommies because of the reflection in the mirror, but... Where was the third Jacob? So I said to him, Jacob, there should only be two Jacobs, one with mommy and one in the mirror. Jacob then said, No, there's a third Jacob. He's dead. Apparently that wasn't the end of that. Just this morning, Landon and I woke up and we went to my master bedroom washroom to brush our teeth. There's a full-length mirror against the wall of the washroom. As I was brushing my teeth, Landon points to the mirror and said, Mommy, there's Jacob in the mirror. I said, no, baby, Jacob is still sleeping in bed with daddy. Landon then replies, no, mommy, this Jacob is dead. Story two. When Jacob was about three, I was on maternity leave, and my husband was away on a business trip. One morning we woke up. Jacob said, good morning, daddy. I said, no, Jacob, daddy is still in the USA. He then points to our washroom and said, who's the man in the washroom? There was no one there. Story three. In March of 2017, we took a trip to Los Angeles slash San Diego with the kids so we could take them to theme parks in these two cities. One of the hotels we stayed at was the Knott's Berry Farm Hotel, which was right beside the theme park. Our room was on the first floor at the very end of a long hallway. Landon, who was two years old at the time, as soon as he entered the hallway, refused to walk and pointed to the room across from ours and said, Ghost. Honestly, I didn't even know how he knew the word ghost. We stayed there for three nights, and every single time we entered the hallway, Landon did the exact same thing. Stopped and pointed to the room across the hall and told us there's a ghost. 
My husband even recorded a video of him doing it, but I can't seem to find it right now. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. So first up, thank you for that story, June. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Well, the fact that both boys, one saw himself as one of the dead ones. Yeah. And then his brother saw the same same thing and thought it was his brother. My sons, you have become men. It is time for you to earn your own oh, way in the world. Oh my gosh. I'm going to leave you in the woods with just a sharpened stick. Pretty much. Bye, boys. Yep. Yeah. That is freaky. Yeah. The way he said ghost, and that actually reminds me of something that my niece did, Kimberly. Uh, when I was working on the book, uh, Strange Little Place, available everywhere, oh five books God. are sold. Or if you want a signed copy, ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. Anyways, um, <clears throat> when I was working on that masterpiece, that <laughs> paragon of literary genius. It's just not a big bestseller. No, no. True genius is rarely appreciated <laughs> that's at the right. time. Like the year of the great Gatsby of our time. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah, F. Scott Fitzgerald. That's you. But F stands for fuck machine. <laughs> not failure. No, no. No, no. 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 Well, it all depends on who gets to the... Uh, Faulty. The four, Jesus Christ, you got a bunch of these, don't you? <laughs> All right. Fake it. Turning off Ian's mic <laughs> now. Forgettable. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. Finished. <laughs> All right. Let's move. Let's move on. Let's move on. But back when I was in Revelstoke, you know, doing some research and stuff, this was very early in the process, but I was hanging out with my niece at a park and the park is called Farwell Park. Right. And I was pushing her on the swing and she was... You know, talking the way kids do. She would have been maybe, I don't know, four yeah. at the time. And she was started muttering to herself. And I could hear her say things like, it's too late. It's too late for mommy. It's too late for, for me. It's too late. And I said, you know, w what are you saying, sweetie? What are you doing? And um, or I, I said, pardon me. I said, who are you talking to? She seemed kind of sad. And she wasn't when we got there. Yeah. And she said, ghost. I said, oh, okay. And I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. No, no. So I said, well, where, where is he? Can you, can you show me where the ghost is? And she pointed up into the trees. Uh. And I said, do you want to leave? Do you want to go to another park? And, and she, she just went, yeah. So Aww. I just stopped, stopped, the, stopped the, the swing and picked her up and we hoofed it back to the car. Didn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. But when I took her home to my sister, I asked my sister, this is what she said. What, does she say this a lot? And my sister sort of said, well, she probably heard ghost on Scooby-Doo or something. And I thought, well, that's a great point. You know, that's where she knows the word from. Right. But fascinating that she was able to make that connection and, and sort of to describe something in the world that way. My son did the same thing when he was 18 months old. Really? Yeah. And he, he had never heard the word ghost. He would not have seen any TV with ghost in it. Right. And it was when my dad was actually in a coma a couple of days before he passed away. And he was freaking out one night, just freaking out, like crying, screaming, terrified. And I would go in and I'd go, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he, he kept saying, pop up, which is what he called my, my dad. Pop up, ghost. Pop up, ghost. I phoned the hospice the next day because I phoned every day to check on him. His girlfriend was staying with him there. And I said, um, how was last night? And she goes, you know, it was the weirdest thing. Your dad was still breathing, but it's like he'd already died. And oh, I wow. said, for how long? And she's like, mm, about, about two or three hours. Right. And I said, I think I know where he was. And I told her and she, she accepted it. She said, yeah. She goes, you know, there's one thing your dad loves without fear. And that's your son, his wow. grandson. And he probably needed to try and come and say goodbye. And I said, well, he scared the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, uh, she goes, well. Your dad always was a bit awkward socially. So. <laughs> um, but I, I, I believe that. I think he, I mean, I was kind of annoyed, you know, I didn't sense anything like, yeah, hello, I'm here too. But uh, the thing my dad seemed very, very focused on, and I should say this is in a whole nother city, right? Like we were about oh, six, wow. 1600 kilometers apart. Oh, interesting. So I get that, that pop-up ghost, that chilled me. Wow. All right. So, yeah, I, again, June, I, I'm fascinated to know uh, if there's been any developments since then. If if there are, we'd love to hear from yeah, them. Yeah, and I have no problem believing it. Yeah, absolutely. Our next story is from Mark. My name is Mark, and I'd like to share two experiences I had in my grandmother's old house in Bramwell, West Virginia. The home had a basement, first and second floor, plus an attic. My first experience happened when I was six years old. My grandmother had gone up the road to the post office to get the mail and I was home alone. 
All the doors were locked, and there was no TV on or anything. I was on the second floor using the bathroom, when all of a sudden, I heard a female voice call my name. It just happened one time. I didn't recognize the voice, but replied back anyway. No answer. I pulled my underwear up and shuffled around with my pants around my ankles, looking to see if it was my grandmother back home, but no one was there. When I went back downstairs, the doors were still locked, so I was freaked out. When my grandmother got home, I told her what had happened, and she just played it off. But years later, she confessed to me that she used to hear walking coming from the second floor above her bedroom. I was 19 at the time of my second encounter. My mother, her boyfriend, and I moved into my grandmother's home to help take care of her because she was getting older and having issues with falling. One evening, I was listening to some classic country music in my room. I'd just gone through a hard breakup and was laying in bed, in my feelings, when all of a sudden, a demonic-sounding voice came from the right side of my head, and it said I was going to die. It scared me so bad I hit the floor, grabbed my Bible, and started reading Psalms and praying. I went downstairs to see if it could just have been something from the TV, but it wasn't on. And my grandmother was asleep, so there was nothing that could explain the voice. It was the first and only time I heard it, but I never felt comfortable in that house again. I don't really blame Mark for not feeling comfortable in that house again. I wouldn't either. Oh, honey, no. No, no not a no, chance. No, 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 no. <laughs> that actually ties with uh, the final story we're going to do tonight for creepiest goddamn thing that you could possibly hear from a disembodied voice. Yes. Uh, that story is, yeah, that, that, that's coming. But um, this actually reminded me of something that happened to a friend of mine a long time ago. We saw the movie The Babadook, okay. which is a horror movie. And it's it's a really great horror movie if you haven't seen it. It's, it's, it's sort of a parable about grief. Okay. But it also happens to be terrifying. Right. And the character sort of announces his presence uh, through, via a nursery rhyme, sort of like an associated nursery rhyme. Right. And... You kind of hear it saying Baba Duk Duk Duk, like that's sort of part of the, the rhyme. Right. Well, my friend was asleep, or sorry, my friend was lying in bed, and I think it was in the morning, and he was just kind of waiting to get up, and from, I want to say the right, but it may have been the left side, he heard this horrible voice say, Baba Duk 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 oh, Motherfucker. Oh my lord. Yeah, and like with, with, with the expletive at the end yeah. of it, and he jumped out of bed, and he was terrified. Yeah. And of course, I, I, you know, I'm sure you could say, oh, well, it's just, you know, whatever. It's, it's the, uh, the fear of the film. But right. on, a, on a summer morning, it's an odd thing to just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I had that voice in my ear, the one and only time, actually. Oh, in the, in the, the ghost tour. Right, yeah. yeah. But that just said my name. And honestly, at the time, I was too distracted to notice. <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah, it's disconcerting when a disembodied voice right beside your head says something. Yeah, to say the least. So thank you very much, Mark. Yeah. This story comes from Mandy. This is one of two stories that Mandy submitted, the other of which we'll be sharing on a, a future show. For the first four months of my dorm experience, it was pretty standard and ghost-free. The only thing that went bump in the night was the obnoxious couple down the hall every other night or so. I didn't do too much partying, but my roommate definitely did, so most weekends I was alone, which suited me just fine. It's incredibly tough to live five feet away from someone and never have any privacy. Anyway, the nights I had to myself began fairly peacefully. However, near the end of November, I started to feel like I wasn't alone. I'm very aware of my surroundings. I grew up in and around the woods, so you develop a keen eye for small details and anything that might be a danger. The air in the room felt heavier, like someone was either looking directly at me or standing over my shoulder and watching what I was doing. I'm pretty hard to shake up, so I wasn't intimidated by the presence. I just thought I had another annoying floor mate to deal with. I did, however, see a few times the scale under my roommate's bed light up as if someone was standing on it when nothing was near it and it hadn't been touched in weeks, to my knowledge. That definitely made me raise my eyebrows. The two most interesting incidents happened consecutively the day before I flew home for Christmas break. My roommate and I splurged on some bottles of cheap wine and got plastered in our dorm room playing card games with our music too loud. We didn't stay up terribly late, maybe 12.30 in the morning, and promptly went to bed after Ubering some McDonald's to our building. After about two hours of sleep, I woke up with a start. I was still pretty drunk and confused as to why my sleep was disturbed. I rolled over to see a figure standing parallel to my bed, but in the middle of the room itself. It was insanely tall and white, so tall its head had to be cocked at an angle against the ceiling. The figure itself had no defined shape. It was like someone had thrown a sheet on themselves, and tied it off at the neck to create a spherical head. 
I'm a bit of an ass when I'm drunk, so I just leveled my gaze at the figure and said, Fuck off and let me sleep, you Casper-looking bitch. Pretty great. I then flipped over and snapped my eyes shut. Once I woke up in the morning, I decided to shower before my flight to shake some of the mild hangover I had. I proceeded to have a freezing cold shower and bring myself back to life. As I was toweling off, I saw a person breeze past the door to my stall. I then heard a loud metallic clank from the stall next to me. The lock on that stall was broken, and so I figured someone had come in and tried to use it with no luck. Hurriedly, I put my house coat on and got out so they could use the stall, but once I was outside, I didn't see anyone. There wasn't a soul in the shower room. No one walked past my stall again, and there's only one way out of the room. Nothing as intense as that happened for the rest of the year, but up until the last night in that dorm, I felt there was another presence in there with me. So thank you for that story, Mandy. Yeah. And it's interesting, the white figure, because that sort of calls back to our Haunting of India episode, Mm -hmm. where a number of people reported spectral figures who were blindingly white, which is an interesting counterpoint to what we usually get, which is shadow people. Yeah, that's true. And these figures seem almost to a, a, I hesitate to say to a man, because who knows what the hell they are, but they are much more sinister. And they seem much more willing to um, get physical. Yeah. You know, there's that one story about the fellow who was working for a pharmaceutical company in Mumbai in the 70s, and the thing actually slapped the shit out of him. Right. So, interesting. I mean, I, I love the moxie in telling a ghost to, you know. You Casper-looking bitch. Yeah. That's Beat awesome. Beat feet, you chump. That is so great. Yeah, Mandy, that's amazing. But, uh, yeah. She's way braver than I am. Absolutely. It goes for most of our listeners. Oh, well, I would have just wet myself and blamed it on the alcohol. That's right. It was the McDonald's. Yeah, that stuff. I'll I kill got you. food poisoning. That's right. Burger King. No, that's where it's at. <laughs> Interesting that there's a difference to you. Oh, there is. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Thanks again for the story, Mandy. Our next story is from Bill. I would like to present you with the true story of how a ghost almost got my wife to kick my ass. Or something along those lines. Built in 1796, the Myrtles Plantation had been home to several families, has seen and survived the ravages of war, and is a bed and breakfast. For those not brave enough to endure the night in one of their many suites, tours of the ground and select interior rooms are available for what is called one of America's most haunted homes. With deaths occurring from horrific ailments and murder, they might be right. This story isn't about the history of the plantation, however, it's about my wife and how she wanted to kick my ass. A few years ago, my wife and I began watching Ghost Hunters. Having already had paranormal experiences of my own, I thought the show was great and always hoped that it was real. Perhaps in some way I could validate my own encounters. My wife, on the other hand, well, she would oblige me and watch, but she's always been a skeptic. When we learned about the Myrtles Plantation and realized it was only a couple hours drive away, we decided to go and take a tour. The grounds were amazing and the history was fascinating. As for the number of supernatural events, well, there were none. Kind of a letdown, but at least it wasn't like an amusement park where you would be guaranteed an experience. My wife went back with a friend and her niece a few months later. They took several pictures and even caught some orbs, which of course turned out to be fireflies. Nothing to see, move along. Staying at the inn was out of our price range and had to be booked months in advance anyway, so we would keep going back just for the tour. On what I believe was our third time, we were standing in the mirror room, listening to the tour guide talk about the haunted mirror located at the entryway as you first enter the home. The room was packed, and we found ourselves standing near the base of the stairs leading up to the second floor. Our guide was explaining that no matter how many times the glass within the mirror was cleaned or replaced, the images of the former owners would reappear in the same place. I've heard this before, but this time something was different. I began feeling a coldness come over my body. I quickly looked around and no one else seemed to notice. I nudged my wife to get her attention, hoping I could share this amazing experience I was having. She was standing with one foot propped on the first stair and looked down at me. My wife then glared at me, dumbfounded for a moment, and kindly told me I was standing over a floor vent. My cold spot was nothing more than the freaking air conditioning. After we left the mirror room, she further explained that not only was I standing over a floor vent, but that I'd interrupted her. She'd been staring at the second floor landing where a black mass was beginning to form. When she looked at me and then back up the stairs, it was gone. Words were spoken, and I have to agree, I'm a dumbass. 
Thank you for that story, Bill. And uh, I mean, hey, we can all be dumbasses from time to time. We've all been there. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, it, my Lord. I mean, never me, but I'm, I'm perfect in every yeah. way. So. I, I remember uh, first time I heard the ice maker in the fridge. I'm like, demons? <laughs> I believe there are ghosts in the kitchen. We actually had a reverse experience because I've always been really skeptical. Up until really starting the book. A strange little place available. Oh, everywhere. stop right. it. Okay. One plug per show. <laughs> fair, fair. But um, so I was pretty skeptical and I was, we were in some historic home, Nikki and I, and I think it was in England. We were on a tour and we started descending these stairs and Nikki said to me, I smell flowers. I said, okay, well, where's it coming from? I think it's a spirit. And I said, well, let's look around for flowers. And she said, there are no flowers. Something's going on. So we got to the bottom of the stairs. I turned around, and under the staircase was a big old bouquet of fresh flowers. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, "Shut up." <laughs> I just now assume everything is ghosts, like to the point of ridiculousness, right? And then it just takes away any other fear. Uh, it's part of the reason I make Randy sleep outside of the bedroom when I am on my own, right? Because then any noises I hear are Randy. Of course. Uh huh. See, I've thought it all out. As for the amorphous black blob, though, that's. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I uh, yeah. So I understand her giving you stick for interrupting that because I'd want to know, especially if you're skeptical. Yeah. What the hell am I seeing? And pretty cool that she's the one who saw it. Yes, absolutely. Well, he just had cold air going up his pants. <laughs> All been there. All been there. <laughs> Thanks again, Bill. This story comes from Amber. I was just listening to episode sixty-nine, which she capitalized. Nice. And the topic of metallic noises and sleep paralysis reminded me of a dream I woke myself out of several years ago. Fortunately, I've never experienced sleep paralysis, good for you, me either, and may have avoided it this night. In my dream, I was talking to my mom at the kitchen table when I could feel a metallic sound moving toward us from a far distant place. I started to panic and told my mom, don't listen to it, cover your ears, while covering my own ears. I knew this wouldn't block the sound and could feel it getting closer. Knowing I only had seconds before the noise consumed us, I woke up. I'm not sure why I was so afraid to hear it, but my instinct told me to run. That's it. Nothing spectacular happened after that, and I've not had a dream like it since. Looking back on it now, I should have asked my mom if she had a strange dream or encounter that night, as she's had frequent experiences with sleep paralysis. So that was just a quick one, and really more of a dream than a paranormal experience, but it, it just twigged on a couple things that I thought, I'd like to share this one. Uh, you know, For example, the, the grinding metal sound. It's interesting to me because one of the most traumatic dreams I ever had, there was something like that. Uh, I won't get into the gist because it's quite personal, but it was a, a very, very frightening dream. Very, very, very deeply frightening dream. And in the background over everything was a kind of grinding metal noise hmm. over everything. So who knows if there's any kind of connection, but I, I just, because it, it sort of twigged that in my mind, I wanted to share it. Uh, but also, I, you know, I actually had uh, a metal sound connected to trauma, which may explain this. And Amber, you, you may have something else yourself. But when I was a kid, I was in two different car accidents with my father. My dad was a very bad driver. He's bad at a lot of things. Being a dad, driving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we were in two separate car accidents. And for years, I had this paralyzing fear of loud metal sounds. And so if I heard one, I would go to this incredibly uh, extensive catastrophizing thing where I would I would think the world was coming to an end. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, and a, a therapist pointed it out. He pointed out the connection. He said, well, I mean, you were with your father who you trusted to take care of you. In effect, it was like the world was ending. Yeah. And once he pointed that out to me, once I made that connection, the fear went away. Do you think that's why it took you so long to get your driver's license? Oh, that's a great question. I never thought about that. Hmm. Well, here we go. Tell me about your mother. <laughs> well, how long have you been feeling this yeah. way? I will say my mother was not very impressed with your joke about being my dad. Oh, she heard that? She heard that. Oh, no. She's coming for you, Gibbs. Oh, no. Well, all right. You're going to hear... An... <laughs> you are going to be disappointed. Tell her to bring it on. You're going to hear a noise that you think is Randy. You're going to open your eyes. And, and it'll be your a... mother looming over you with a large hammer. The knife in her teeth and a dead look in her eyes. Like, oh, my God, it's misery. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's coming for you. It's an angry little tornado. I'll have to, you know what? I'm very sorry, Brennan's mom. What's her? Kathy, right? Kathy, yeah. I'm very sorry, Kathy. I was disrespectful and rude, and that's not how my mother raised me, and I'm very ashamed of myself. At least, now, at least now your death will be swift. Thank you. Please tell your sister to tell your mom to listen to this, because I know <laughs> otherwise she won't. 
So again, thank you for sharing that with us, Amber. And uh, I'd be curious to know, because this was several months ago, if you've had any anything like that since, again, uh, get in touch. It also made me think that sometimes um, sounds can be precognitive. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Like I knew someone who kept hearing the same sort of sound and didn't know what it was. And then I had to say this, but she was in a car accident. Oh, wow. Um, and the sounds in the car accident were the same sounds she'd been dreaming about for weeks. Really? In the same sequence. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, not good. No, fair enough. So well, I'm glad Amber's okay and nothing happened. Absolutely. Our next story is from Emilio. I was a freshman in high school at the time the story happened. One day, my mom and uncle picked me up from football practice and took me to a house I'd never seen before, where we were met by a short Hispanic man who introduced himself to me and invited us all in. Then I shook his hand. As soon as I gripped his hand, I got this strange pulse of energy that moved from him into me, then made its way through my whole body. I looked at the man's face, and he had this strange look as if he was staring into my soul. Feeling awkward, I quickly pulled my hand out from his tight grip and tried to just ignore what had happened. My mom tells me that the man wanted to meet me after she told him about my little gift. From a young age, I was always able to sense energies and would frequently see the infamous shadow people. There was one in particular that I told my mother about, a man way bigger than anyone I'd ever seen in the land of the living. I was 6'4 at the time, so for me to say someone is tall was a rare statement, but this shadow that moved about my house was so tall and fairly slender that he had to duck when passing through doorways. Also, any time I saw this one, I would always smell the scent of a freshly lit cigar. I guess my mother found this strange enough that she felt the need to reach out to someone who I could talk to about it. Inside the house, they made small talk in the living room, sharing a few laughs, but it wasn't too long before the man asked me if I would mind having a conversation with him on my own. I agreed, so we had a seat at the dining room table. As we're talking, the name Rose suddenly pops into my head. The man, who'd started by describing the personalities and appearances of my friends, then began saying things I do and think that nobody but me would know. I start to feel that strange pulse of energy starting from my fingertips and surging to the rest of my body. Immediately after this, again, I heard, Rose! This time I saw colors, red mostly, and the shape of a woman. I decided to ask the man if he knows anyone named Rose. He looked at me bewildered and said, yes, actually I do. I then began to describe this person in as much detail as I could, a female named Rose who seemed to be in some type of red and white clothing. The man looked at me and said, wow, you're a lot stronger than I thought. He tells me that he's a medium of sorts, and that one of the spirits he speaks with is named Rose, and he was using her to find out information about me, but it seems like I was able to sense her every time. He says he's never seen anyone do that before, and that I have a strong connection to the other side. After that, with my mother's permission, he brought me outside to a huge shed in the backyard. It was dark out, and as we reached the shed, I was overcome by an immense pressure. The air seemed to be heavy. As the door began to creak open, I felt that heaviness get stronger and stronger, inch by inch, and my thoughts seemed to become fuzzy. On the ground in the corner of the shed, I saw a big pot-like structure sitting in a hole, dug about one foot deep and the end about two feet wide. For description purposes, think of it as a traditional witch's brewing cauldron. Around the edge of the circle were strange markings you would think were scribbles if you didn't know any better. In the pot, I noticed an assortment of what looked like at first glance like tools. Then I looked a bit closer and noticed the pot and everything in it had this strange sticky looking substance coated on it. I shifted about a foot closer and saw deeper into the pot. There were feathers covered in blood. This was some sort of ritual area. The man starts to speak to me about what I had seen before and honestly I don't remember too much of the conversation. The fuzziness in my head seemed to be the only thing I could remember. He gestured back to the door and we began to make our way outward, but as we did, from the corner of my eye I saw something move. I looked over, and that's when I saw them. Standing in the back, peering around some boxes on a shelf, were two bright white human-shaped figures, one who seemed to be adult-sized and the other kid-sized. They had no other features on them besides dark holes where their eyes would be. These figures didn't seem hostile, but rather curious and afraid. As I looked into the darkness of their eyes, the fuzziness in my head seemed to fade away, and all I could feel was sadness. The man didn't seem to notice any of this. To this day, I can't shake the feeling that these two entities were somehow trapped in that shed. 
So thank you for sharing that, Emilio. And that's a kind of a, I don't know, sad seems uh, too incomplete a word. Yeah. There's a sort of a tragic element there. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if they were trapped because of the rituals that are being performed in that shed. Like, yeah, that's it. Or... I mean, I didn't much care for the idea of this fellow having a, you know, I understand the concept of spirit guides, but I didn't much care for the idea of this fellow having this sort of flunky. Yeah. Who went to... Who ratted out other people to him. Yeah, that seems yeah. odd. It, it, it's one thing to use it to sort of help, but this more seemed like showing off. Yeah. Like a parlor trick in yeah. a way. Yeah, And uh, yeah, so how strange. And, and interesting too that the, the bright white figures turned up again. Well, and that the man who owned the shed didn't even notice them. Also that. Yeah, yeah that's very, very interesting. Yeah. No, the whole story is pretty fascinating, actually. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to know, Emilio, if you had any uh, further experiences along these lines. Me too. Please, email us. Tell us. <laughs> we want to know. This next story comes from Pete. I went to college at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, from 1972 until 1977. In my sophomore year, the gang of guys I rolled with became interested in the many ghost stories from on and around Ohio University. We got hooked on a story about a remote cemetery, which I will call Taylor Cemetery, for reasons I'll explain later. By the way, I used to teach school and taught kids there was no letter A in the word cemetery because A stood for alive. That's, that's pretty good. Taylor Cemetery was supposedly a family cemetery with only a couple graves, but the legend went that it was on the grounds of property owned by a hanging judge named Taylor. There was supposedly a hangman's tree on the property. This tree was used, according to the legend, for executions in Athens County. My parents lived close enough to school that I could go home and do my laundry. I lived in the dorms, but my family home was 30 minutes from school. One Sunday, I left home near dark and drove me and my girlfriend back to school. After I dropped her at her dorm, I got to mine about 10. Everyone was buzzing because a guy from the fourth floor knew where Taylor's cemetery was, and he told us how to get there. I drove a VW Bug, but we got seven people jammed in and took off at about 11.30 for Taylor's cemetery. Athens itself is in the boonies. Taylor Cemetery was in the boonies of the boonies. We ran out of streetlights miles from our destination. The place was a wide spot in the road next to a huge rock. Generations of Ohio U partiers had painted the rock and every flat surface that would hold paint. There were empty beer cans and booze bottles piled here and there. It was shameful. The path to the tree in the cemetery was bare rock and it went downhill on the left of the large rock. When we turned the corner to walk down the path, we were hit with a rotten smell. Seven of us had gone, but only one of us had thought to bring a flashlight. The person with the flashlight pointed his beam all over until he found the source of the smell. No shit, it was a dead horse that had been dumped near the path. We could see four hooves sticking into the air. Did we leave? Hell no, we weren't that smart. At the bottom of the path, there was more graffiti. And the hanging tree. It probably wasn't really a hangman's tree, but... It did have one branch that would have been perfect for that purpose. Even the tree was painted. Next to the hangman's tree was a foundation of an old house that was full of old household items. The person with the flashlight was focusing on an old stove and refrigerator when the guy behind me shrieked. As I turned around, he jumped into my arms and pointed. He was pointing at what looked like a person in a black robe with a hood. This figure was darker than the shadows, and I saw it clearly. I saw no face, but I saw the shape. The person with the flashlight turned and focused the beam where some of us were now pointing. When the light hit the spot, the shape was gone. Did we run back up the hill and leave? No. Someone said, let's go down to the tombstones. Believe it or not, we did. Nothing else happened, so we went back to the VW and got the hell out of there. Someone thought to say, keep your mouth shut and we will all draw what we saw. One of us said, I saw it before anyone did, but I didn't say anything in case you'd think I was a pussy. We went back to the dorm. Four of the seven of us saw something. We all drew basically the same thing. A shape in a black robe. I have more that goes with this story, but I'll tell that story another time. One thing before I sign off. The guy that said he saw the shape before any of us didn't mean seconds before we did. He meant minutes before. It had been following us. Down the path to the bottom. I think the only time you can do shit like that... Is when you're in university. I was just going to say the the naivety of youth. Yeah. Yeah. You just think nothing can touch you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when people have the majority of their paranormal experience. <laughs> oh, man. I remember when I was in uh, Massachusetts with Mike, my friend who is also a patron of the show, 
on my last night in town before I had to fly out the next day, we were going to go to this one famous cemetery, and I can't remember the name, but it's a famous haunted cemetery in Massachusetts. Right. But it was pouring rain, and I want to say it was like 10 or 11 by the time we were able to start heading that direction. <laughs> and I don't know, man, something in me, because I'm usually up for stupid adventures, but something in me said, nope, just don't do this. Yeah. Just go home and sleep. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I did. But part of me wonders, man, what that what would that have been like? <laughs> Pete wasn't actually the listener's real name. He asked us to use a pseudonym, but mm-hmm. uh, Pete, you no doubt know who you are. And if you do want to share the second half of that story, again, let us know. This is from Caroline. It's called The Other Me in the Mirror. This happened a few years back when we moved into our new house in the greater Montreal area. I went to the washroom to wash my hands, middle of the day, nothing fancy. The sink is right in front of the mirror fixed to the wall. I finished washing my hands and looked at myself in the mirror. There was my face, but at some point my features started to change. I can't explain it properly, but my smile and the look in my eyes became evil-like. I had a smirk on my face and my eyebrows were pointing downward, but I didn't feel my face muscles move. It scared the crap out of me, and I closed my eyes and bolted out of the washroom. I'm almost 40 and never experienced anything like that in my life. To this day, when I wash my hands in this washroom, I never look at the mirror. I just get the fuck out as fast as I can. I don't think it was anything possessing me or anything like that, but it might be an emotion surfacing or a manipulation of some sort. It just scared the shit out of me. The Towering Shadow This happened when I was still living in Quebec City at my parents' house. I was on a day off from school, sleeping in as all teenagers do. Everyone had left the house, and I woke up. The room was still dark since my blinds were very opaque, so only a small sliver of light touched the opposite wall from my bed. Next to me, to my right, was a black shadow shaped like a tower. No human features, just a column of solid smoke, black as night. I could feel it look at me. I couldn't move, couldn't talk. Even if it didn't move, I felt it bend over me like it wanted to come closer and drain the life out of me. At this point, I closed my eyes hard and thought about my dad. I just repeated the word dad in my head. I found that it was always the only way to keep the scary shit away. I keep doing that even today when I get scared. When I opened my eyes, I could move again, and the thing was gone. I never saw it again, thank God. I'm not prone to sleep paralysis, but it might explain the feeling and vision I had. A stranger in the house. This happened to my parents' friends. They'd just moved into a new old house, maybe built in the 70s. There was the dad, the mom, and two kids. My dad told me part of the story, so I don't have all the elements, but I believe him with every fiber in my body. He would not make this kind of shit up. Not him. Just so you understand the way the house is built, here's a little description. When you came in the side door, you could either go downstairs in the basement or a few steps up to the kitchen on your right with the living room in front of the stairs and dining area on the left. The mom is known for being what you might call sensitive, and a lot of stuff happened to her in that house. One day, she was sleeping on the couch as she'd worked a late-night shift at a restaurant. As she opened her eyes, she saw a pair of legs and feet from the height of her head on the couch all the way down to the floor. She got instantly scared, sat up, and nothing. No one was in the house. A dream? Maybe. But that was not the last time she would see someone in her house. The next thing scared me to my core when my dad told me and when we discussed that family in that house. The family was in the house sitting at the dining table, which was placed in front of a mirrored wall. Her husband was at the end of the table, partially visible in the mirror as she was standing in the kitchen. Her kids were sitting with their backs to the mirror. As she turned with the plate, she saw a man standing in the mirror behind her kids, but in between the mirror and the kids. She stopped dead in her tracks. Her husband said something. She looked at him, looked back at her kids. The man was gone. Now, what you need to understand is that house was always weird. I would go there with my parents for family dinners, play with the kids, and every time it felt not evil or scary, but wrong somehow. When I was a little older, I spoke to my dad about it, and we had a long conversation about that house. I always felt uncomfortable in the basement where the kids' rooms were, also a living room and a bathroom laundry room. The last room, the bathroom, was always the worst. You would go to the toilet and feel like 10,000 people surrounded you. That kind of oppressive feeling you get in a large crowd. My dad told me that the previous owner's teenage son had committed suicide in his old room, where the bathroom now stood. 
Now, I'm not claiming to be ultra-sensitive or to see ghosts like the kid in Sixth Sense, but sometimes I can feel things. Feelings, emotions, and small things like that. I'm a little scared of acknowledging it because I don't understand it, but it is what it is. I just got to understand how it works or how to interact with it. There seems to be something also in our current house living with my youngest daughter. It's just a feeling again, but it looks like it is protective of her. I'm not sure if I want to communicate with it, but sometimes I find myself telling it to make sure that my daughter sleeps well, to be nice with me when I sleep in her room, or just good night. It has never behaved in any way that makes me believe that it's something more than a passive energy. It keeps to itself, and I keep to mine. There are a lot of shadows and mirrors in this episode. There really are. Maybe there should be some kind of support group. <laughs> well, you know, thank you, Caroline, for that story. I mean, it, or stories. And I thought it was really interesting how she says her dad's name to dispel the fear or, or whatever's going on. And again, we've talked about this before. It goes back to that intentionality. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not necessarily the words, but how you believe in them. And what power you put in them. Yeah. Um, and that goes with whatever you're holding on to to get you through it. You know, a, a form of religion, um, seeing light, whatever it is. It, it will work for you because that's where your intention lies. Yeah, absolutely. And that again, just uh, there's so many... There are so many unknowns with this topic. Oh, you know, the, totally. I, mean, I guess the topic really is a black box. Like, there's nothing known for sure. And, and I, we have no idea. No, of course. <laughs> of course. Knowing that, it's nice when something comes along that does seem to be kind of solid. Yeah. You know, this idea that, yeah, you know, if you are facing down something, we may not understand what it is or why. Right. But we know that if you have this kind of mantra, whatever it is, whether it's... Psalms as one reader used or just saying dad because you believe in the power of him. Yeah. You know, I I think that is reassuring in a, in a field where there is very little reassurance to Uh, be had. A hundred percent. Because while not all of this stuff is scary or, or, or malevolent, you're still talking about a world over which we have absolutely no control and even less awareness. And, and, or understanding of what's going on. Yeah. Which is. That is sort of the definition of scary for human beings. Absolutely. You know, I was, I was actually uh, listening to this podcast a while back, and I, I might have mentioned this on the show. I can't remember. The point of the podcast is female filmmakers looking at their favorite genre films. Right. So their favorite horror movies or their favorite action movies. But they pointed this thing out, and it had never occurred to me before. It's the idea that um, there is such a correlation between the cosmic horror of H.P. Lovecraft mm. and misogyny. Oh, yeah. Because both represent this world where you don't matter. Right. You as a thinking, reasoning human being, you don't matter. You're you know, fodder. You're fodder. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In, yeah. in Lovecraft's writings, yeah. we are wholly incidental Absolutely. to the functioning of the universe. At best, at best, we're incidental. At worst, we're food. Well, yeah. yeah. And the the comparison the host made was, yeah, to, to sort of misogyny and the, the position of women, especially before, you know, the liberation movement. Never even thought of that, but that's bang on. Yeah, absolutely. It just, just scares the shit out of me. And I think you can sort of, if we want to like shoehorn in a little bit, this idea of the paranormal world. It's all of a piece, you know, even though Lovecraft is fiction. And, yeah. and I know there are some people who think he was channeling something. I don't. But, you know, it's kind of the same thing. We're facing down something that ultimately we have very little knowledge of and no control over. Yeah. And it's scary. Yeah, I agree. That's my deep thought for today. Thank you for that. Our last story tonight comes from Tracy. When I was five years old, my family moved into an old house in Truro, Nova Scotia. The weirdness started on moving in day. My mom was unpacking the kitchen and being five, I wanted to help. So she asked me to take something down to the basement for her. In our old house, I used to play in the basement all the time, but in this new house, I remember taking the small item from my mom, opening the old wooden basement door, and hesitating. Looking down the wooden stairs into the gloom, I said, I don't like this basement. My mom told me not to be silly and to please help her by taking the item downstairs. I walked halfway down the stairs, feeling sick to my stomach. I ran back up and said, sorry, mommy, but I can't go down to that basement. And from that day on, I never went down there. Then I started hearing things at night after my parents had gone to bed. I want you to imagine 
as a child, you're happily playing with toys at night, and then you hear something downstairs. It sounds like footsteps coming slowly up the wooden stairway from the basement. Yes, footsteps are now on the wooden floorboards in the hallway, then creaking up the old wooden staircase to the bedrooms. They stop at the little landing, three more steps until they reach the hallway to the bedrooms. You're waiting, straining to hear the footsteps, but then you hear someone walking down the stairs again, through the hallway, and yes, back down the basement stairs. This would happen to me at least a few times a week. I would tell my parents, but they would say I was just imagining it and that I needed to get to sleep faster. I would hear other sounds as well. Weird music and a baby crying. One time my grandmother came out from Alberta for a visit and guess what? The next morning after her first night with us, she said that she had heard a baby crying and weird music. My mom just shut the subject down and told my grandma not to encourage me. But it did validate me to know that grandma had heard some of the things I had. So this is all leading up to one of the scariest things that has ever happened to me. I was six. My parents had already gone to bed and I was softly chattering to my dolls when I heard it. The sound of distant footsteps slowly coming up the wooden stairs from the basement to the kitchen. Then the sound of footsteps on the wooden floor in the hallway downstairs and then the slow and steady footsteps climbing up the old wooden staircase that led to the bedrooms. My dad had told me before that these sounds were just the furnace coming on, so that's what I told myself, even if I felt a little unsettled. The footsteps finally reached the landing where the staircase turned. This was the place when the footsteps would usually stop for a few seconds and then start going back down. I held my breath and listened, waiting to hear those footsteps go down, but they didn't. I heard the creaking of the floorboards on the final three steps that led to our bedroom. I was terrified. Being only six, I lay down and pulled the covers over my head, not realizing that my wrists and hands were exposed to whoever this was. Then I heard the sound of the floorboards creak on the hallway right outside my room. My door was already open, so whoever this was could just walk in. I lay there waiting, listening, terrified. I heard and felt someone in my room, right next to my bed. Then someone grabbed my left wrist tightly and said in a gruff, masculine voice, I got you. I thought I was going to die. I tried to scream, but no sound would come out. Then they slowly let go of my wrist and I lay there frozen with fear. After what seemed like a long time, I finally got the courage to peek out from under my blanket. There was no one there. I hadn't heard them leave, but how could I hear anything with my heart pounding in my ears? Even just writing this brings back the terror that I felt as a six-year-old. In the days and months after this, I still heard noises, but was never grabbed by the arm again in that house. Unfortunately, this is not the end of this story. My dad was transferred to Vancouver Island when I was seven. And guess what, guys? The ghost followed me there. I'll save that story for another day. Welcome back. Thanks as always to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their work on this and every episode. We really couldn't do it without you. Also thanks to Kevin Eustace of We Need to Talk About Ghosts for the music he provides, not on this show, but he has in past and will in future. We feel really, really lucky to have Kevin uh, helping us out with that. Uh, and if you haven't heard his show yet, you really need to. Again, that's We Need to Talk About Ghosts. And make sure to listen to his albums everywhere you stream your music. I guess first up, we'll start with patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our newest patrons. They are Aaron Nichols, Heather Orson, Andrew Benise, Kathleen McClory, Cheeky169, Chris Peralta, Jay Reynolds, 
Melissa Pichet. Snake Oil Cosplay. That is a pretty dope name. Uh, yeah, yeah, really. So thank you so much for all your support, everyone. It just means so much to us. Again, especially now I'm back to work, but the cash still helps because uh, I'm not, uh, the shifts aren't great. Well, and we still need to pay for our new website. That's it. Yeah, website, show budget. So no. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great. We love it. Thank you so, so much for your support. If you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. That's patreon.com slash ghost story guys. We have tiers at the one, five, 10, 20 and $50 levels. What do you get for your money? Well, you get exclusive stickers designed by Vancouver Island artist, Wanda Frazier. You get access to our monthly cabin fever episodes, which is anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour of me and Ian just shooting the breeze and talking about all the stuff that doesn't fit into the regular show anymore. February's episode was, I believe, 45 minutes and had a lot of details about my trip to New York and other things in our lives that are just are not in the main show. Patrons also get early access to Luke's monthly Luke Lore podcast, which is a monthly deep dive into the folklore subject of Luke's choosing. There's also our monthly live show for patrons at $10 and above, exclusive ringtones, art cards with my night photography, a digital copy of Ian's smash hit, Christian country album, Aware of Wonder, and a whole lot more. So make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash guys to check it out. Next up, we have listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Huge thanks to everyone who reaches out to us. We love hearing from you, your comments, your questions, your gentle criticisms. And, and I mean that. If you do have a problem, let us know. Although, you know, be kind. That said, we'd like to thank the following people who got in touch. They are Hillary, Katie, Jacqueline, Nikki, Rin, Hannah, Christopher, Abby, Leslie, Taya, Israel, Jacqueline, Aaron, Nishi, Nan, Alex, and Liz. Yes. Thank you so much for getting in touch, guys, with your again, stories, comments, questions, general criticisms. We appreciate it all. We truly love hearing from you because it reminds us you're out there. It's not just me and this joker in this tiny room sweating and huffing and puffing. So it, it makes a world of difference. And if you did send us an email recently and we didn't name check you here, we're just a little behind in processing the email. So we will definitely get your name on the next show, we promise. And if you do have a story to share, you want to hear it on a listener story show, send us an email, ghostoryguys at gmail.com. You can also call the ghost line toll free at one 588 6920 There you can leave your story as a message or as a series of voice messages, or you can text it to us at 925-553-4789. Again, the ghost line is toll free, should work for Canada and the US. The text line is a US number. So if you don't have international texting and you're texting from Canada or somewhere uh, outside of North America, there may be a charge from your carrier, but if you're in America, you should be fine. And in fact, someone actually texted us, which is kind of amazing. They said, hi, I love your show so much. That is all. And anonymous listener, we love you too. We love you. That was amazing. That was, I got the alert and I was so happy. We're not going to read everyone, I should say, but that was our very first yeah, one. Yeah, it was our very first one. So our inaugural was, text. Absolutely. So again, you got a story, one 588 6920 and text at 925-553-4789. And I know a listener out there said their daughter wanted to make us a ghost line jingle. Feel free. Have at it. If someone you want to make a jingle for us, we will play it on the show. Absolutely. Any artist who wants to do something cool like that, we are so into it. That's it. We may not play it on every show. No. But we, we love that we have so many creative people in our audience yeah. who've contributed art and sounds and music it's just so cool and so we we would love love to hear it well like bob's depiction of randy the murder cat I exactly mean, that's brilliant yeah that's very true actually yeah. la artist bob vasquez who's done a number of designs brilliant. which are up in our Redbubble store brilliant he just finished a design which is yeah ian's murder cat randy and it's the ghost story cat and that's only available as a sticker but you can find that at ghoststoryguys.redbubble.com if you do buy anything from the Ghost Story Guys Redbubble store, let us know. We'll send you a logo sticker as a thank you. Just forward us either your receipt via email or screen cap it and send it to us that way. But we will send you a logo sticker as a thank you. And we have so many great designs. Again, stuff from Canadian artists like Wanda Fraser, Becky Campbell, and U.S. artists Bob Vasquez and Trey Trimble. So many cool things, and we just love to know it's out there. So again, if you do pick something up, let us send you a logo sticker as a thank you. 
ghoststoryguys.redbubble.com. Also, if you want to pick up signed copies of our books, you can head on over to ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. Find everything you need there. The advantage of that, if you are an American or if you're really anywhere outside of Canada, is those prices are all in Canadian dollars. So depending on how advantageous the exchange rate is for you, you might be getting a smoking deal. So again, ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com for signed books and pins and uh, my night photography art cards and ghoststoryguys.redbubble.com for all other merch. Huge, huge thanks to our musical guest Galactic Cinema for the use of their song Passing. That's from their album Haunted, released on October 23rd, 2018. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the vocalist for Galactic Cinema sounds very similar to a popular 80s artist. If you can guess who that is, head on over to galacticcinema.bandcamp.com or stream the album on any number of streaming services. Shoot us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com with the subject line Galactic Cinema and the first four people to guess correctly will receive a Bandcamp download code for the whole album, courtesy of the guys at Galactic Cinema. Our theme song, Radio Into the Darkness We Go, is composed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. You can find more from them by going to hexagram.bandcamp.com or finding them on any major streaming service. Of course, that's Hexagram with two X's, not three. And finally, all other music and sound effects come courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod-safe music or sound effects for your next project, head on over to epidemicsound.com and check them out. I guess that's going to do it. We don't really have anything coming up, do we? No, I have some ghost walks uh, in March, but that's about it. I'm, I'm pretty focused on working on my magical Japanese-inspired fish tank. Of course. That's going to take up most of my time. Priorities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and to my friend Evan, who lives here in Victoria, quipping such a wimp, get a fish tank. I told you I'd help you with it. There you go. Come on, Evan. Yeah, T- come on, Evan. Toughen up. Man up. There we go. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in two weeks with another show, and until then... Into the darkness we go. God damn it! <laughs> Again, the ghosts. <laughs> la 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 la. A I O U. Oh my god. I'm, I'm There's a deep disappointment there. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> well, I'm glad I don't work in the same building as you. <laughs> or really in the same municipality, technically. I'm stopping there. <laughs> Starting to sound like your Christmas list. <laughs> Do you need a toothbrush to with? Get All right, let's get that out of our systems. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ugh, I need an adult. My oh, no. What are you going to do? Nope. Nope. <laughs> the important thing is you're aware of what a podcast is. Well, what I do, you know, if someone's like, what are your favorite podcasts? Uh, ask Brennan. Yeah. What are Ian's favorite podcasts? That's the Brennan question. I'll send it to you. Please don't. <laughs> I want a book report on it. You're not getting one. <laughs> the email you've tried to reach is no longer Yeah, service. that's right. That's right. Oh, Jesus. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.